<laughs> That's awesome. How many of you love Scrabble? Raise your hand. How many of you are like me and struggle with any words past three letters? Yes. That is awesome. Well, I can tell you this, words are amazingly important. And it, it, the rules haven't changed, relationally speaking. They really haven't. Uh, I live in Atlanta, which is home of the largest international airport in the world. And I couldn't help but just notice this. I walked out of the a store one time buying a magazine and newspaper. And there's this couple there. It was an Asian couple. I don't know where in Asia they're from because they're speaking Asian. And... And it was just the perfect scene. She is going at the man that seems to be her husband. I know that probably her husband because the way she was communicating with him. It was just the... And she was going at him. And this poor guy's sitting there not looking at her, just... And I mean, it was just... He was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I have no idea what she was saying. And I know from experience exactly what she was saying to him. Because communication is international. And the the rules haven't changed. But I can say this, that the changes of a simple word in a simple letter will make all the difference in the world. Now, let me give you a quick background and update. If you haven't been here the last few weeks, I would encourage you, go online and listen to some of these great talks. Chad's done a couple good ones on Connect Four, um, which I will actually take a piece of that and kind of give the power behind it. Uh, From that talk, it was incredible. Uh, Doug did a great job with Battleship, talking about the differences of men and women. And we we know men and women are different. But uh, as I listened to this, I learned a great, great lesson because it seems like Doug and I kind of tracked together. He talked about giving his wife as a gift a washer and dryer. And I learned that's not a good gift just from listening to his talk. Um, His mindset, and I love this, was, you know, every time you do laundry, you'll know how much I love you. And I'm like... That's not a good idea. So I I love that I learned that. Now I won't make that mistake. I learned from Chad some insights to Chad. I've known Chad for uh, over a decade, but I learned this, that uh, he confessed that when he plays board games, if you're ever in a situation, play board games with Chad, he confessed, I cheat. And uh, it's up to you to, to catch him at that. The other one, and I don't know if you caught this or not, I love this. He was just in the mode of giving his, and he gets into his life and this and that. And he goes, you know what? I try to set 10-year goals uh, for my life, and every, every five years I set a new 10-year goal, and I'm like, that makes sense to Chad. And Chad economy, <laughs> I set a 10-year goal, and then five years later I set another 10-year goal. Obviously, one of his goals is to accomplish the 10-year goal in five years. That's, that's his goal. So I've, I've learned a lot from this, not only about the personalities, but about relationships in general. And I learned realistically what I'm going to share this morning, and I'm going to share one verse specifically and then one chapter. If you have a Bible or want to go back and read and look, I want to encourage you to go to Isaiah 41.10 because that's where I'm going to jump off in just a second because there's two choices we have to make. Choices in words and choices in a letter, a simple letter and a simple word. And to do this, I, I want to set the table from a relationship standpoint. The first one is very simple, the idea of for versus with. And if we will set our minds in one of these two areas, we're going to start seeing in our relationships, whether they're man, wife, child, parent, uh, boss to an employee or employee to boss, a huge difference in the way we experience life. 
If I am doing four versus with, if, if I'm in my marriage and I'm doing for my wife, for my family, for, 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 it, it will literally kind of filter over me this burden and obligation. And if I'm thinking in those terms, do you know all I do for you? Do you know all I do for our family? Do you understand all I do for this company? It will become a very obligatory lifestyle and an obligation and a weight and a burden on us. But if we make this simple choice, I'm going to do this with, I'm going to do this with my wife. And one of the most powerful experiences is what we do with one another. One of the greatest connections, and I couldn't help it, I love your shirt, it's orange, I kind of caught that, and I'm so getting your hair color. That is awesome. Magenta. I thought it was Kool-Aid, but I'll go with magenta. That's even better. I'm so doing that. And, and just imagine if we were to walk in and we both had the same color on and we both had the magenta hair. You would just go, they, okay, they've got to be together because that took an effort, a choice to look like that. And it is true within a, in a relationship as well. We have to choose to do it with one another. It has to be a conscious choice. Now, this is a very small piece but it means everything. It's simple, but it's not easy because it really starts with this relationship, our relationship with God. And we have to choose to have that relationship. Now, I was taught, I think subconsciously or errantly in a lot of situations at churches growing up, this concept, look at what God has done for you. What are you going to do for him? And that is just not biblical. Take it back to this simple sentence and you'll start seeing this word with. It's one God began to show me about a year, year plus ago. Ken, I'm not about what you do for me. Yes, I died on a cross for your sins. Yes, I raised from the dead so that I could be with you always. That was God's motive. It wasn't so that he could stack up the chips on his side of the table and go, look what I've done for you now what are you going to do for me? I died for you. I forgave your sins and I rose from the dead. What are you going to do for me? We can't compete with that because we were never meant to compete with that. See, God, what he's saying is I so love you. I created you for a purpose. I have this amazing plan for your life in every aspect. No matter where we are, whether we're in a state of frustration right now or disarray, whether we're on the top or the bottom, God says, I want to give you meaning and purpose in the middle where you are, but it's not going to become from you doing more for me. You see the burden that happens here? Follow this concept for just a second. If I'm doing for God, I'm going to constantly feel like I never measure up because I don't. If I see this amazing book and this amazing truth, that was from the beginning, and it says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is God speaking to us. If it is a set of rules that I have to live up to, I will never accomplish it, and it will be a constant burden for me. But if I will choose to take God's economy, and look at this amazing verse in, in Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is saying, I want to do this with you. 
And, and I hope there are some here, if you have accepted that forgiveness, that power that God gives us when he says, I will come into your life, I'll forgive you, and, and I will empower you. I hope that you haven't been hit like I was for years about feeling this burden of now I got to do something for God. That misses the point completely. God says, I love you completely unconditionally where you are, but I love you too much to let you stay where you are. I want you to become what I meant for you to be. And that doesn't happen for us trying really hard to keep everything. This is way too big if it's a rule book. I can't get it all. But if if it's God speaking with me to show me how he created me, how he made me, how he empowers me, how he forgives me, how he wants to live through me, then it becomes empowering, literally the power that God raised. Let me put it to you this way. Play a little bit of game with me. I was this summer, I was out in Colorado in this group at this student conference. And they said, well, you wanna play a game? I'm like, sure, I love games. And they're like, it's, it's, it's a room game. It's the green glass room, the green glass room. And I said, you have to try to get in the room. Do you wanna play? And I'm like, sure. And they're like, okay, what do you got? You gotta bring some item into the room to get in the room. And I want you to play this with me for a second. Okay, it's the green glass room. And they said, you can come into the room, you can come in with feet, but you can't come in with shoes. Huh? They said, you can come in with a tree, but you can't come in with a bush. Like, what? It's one of those games where you like maybe do it on a trip or something that, that if you, once you see it, it's like, that is so obvious. But while you're playing and you don't get it, you either want to kill yourself or the person that's doing it. It's that kind of a game. It's like, huh? So I'm sitting there, I'm listening to, okay, tree, bush. Okay, you can bring a goose, but you can't bring a duck. Anybody think you got it? Anybody think you got it real quick? Anybody? A couple? What, do you, can you give me an example that you think that you got it? You can bring a what? Yes, go ahead. You can bring Kenny, but not Chad. Yes, that's it. You can do that. <laughs> Chad's really bummed. Did you think you got it? You can bring a boot, but you can't bring a sandal. Yes, you can come in the green glass room. Anybody else? Anybody else? The sides are killing it. Y'all are a little disappointing right now. Um, anybody else want to take a guess? Yes. You can bring a moose, but not a bison. Yes. Do you think you have it? Yes, you can bring a book, but not a movie. Now look at the words. Green glass room. To get in, you have to bring an item. I'll give you one other one. You can bring teeth, but not a mouth. Do you see it? How many of you think you see it now? Raise your hands. For the rest of you, you are like me. I literally, there were 20 people, 19 of them had them like, you got to be kidding me. And it was driving me crazy. So let me make it as obvious. The, the key is in the words, the letters in the words. Let me make it obvious. The green glass room. You can bring Kenny, but you can't bring Chad. Do you see it now? You can bring teeth, but not a mouth. Do you see it? If you still do not see it, you are like me. Raise your hands real quickly. Okay, yes, all right. I'll give you the key. It's the double consonant, the double letters. The double letters is the key. Any word with double letters, you get in. Any word without the double letters, you can't get in. That's the key. It's in the letters. It's in the word. And if I can draw this clearly, the power of relationships is in the word with 
verses four. That's where the power is. And it's in this word, it's not a rule book. It is a guide for us to connect with God, not for God. It's the power. If I could put it this way, Chad and Doug did an amazingly wonderful job of giving some tremendous principles through people who are smarter than I'll ever be. And they are amazing and they will work when applied. But if you are like me, if you are human and you are breathing in and out and you have flesh on your body, we can't sustain it by ourselves. It just doesn't happen. What we need, if I could put it in an illustration, is this, I'll never forget the first Christmas morning when my kids were little and they were coherent. My boys are 11 months apart and they got into the age where they were excited about Christmas. Past that age where they're little and they play with the box and the paper more than the toys. Do you remember that age? This is one that we're like, oh my gosh, I hope I get. And if you're a parent, you know that you'll do anything to get that one item. And I'll never forget that Christmas morning because I'm sitting back and they got what they wanted and they open it and there's total elation. And I'm like, yes, we pulled it off. This is awesome. And it was followed by what I never expected. It was a mistake I made because then they, they st- my, my oldest, he's like, it's broken. It's broken. I'm like, oh. No, it's not. It just came out of the box. It's broken. And I realized at that moment, this flood of reality hit me between the eyes that the toy was perfectly fine. It was only missing batteries. (laughs) (laughs) And there was this, I was running around the house. I'm I'm pulling batteries out of the smoke detectors. I'm just out of, whatever it takes. I want this toy to work because it's the moment. It's got to work in this moment. And that is the frustration of that. That is exactly what God is giving through these amazing principles that we've looked at and this amazing truth. It is not difficult. It is impossible without the power source. And he is the power source. He puts it this way. He says, you are dead without me. Not physically, but you, you can't find life and life abundant apart from me. He puts it this way in Romans 8, 26 and 27. And he talks about it. And if I could set up this real quickly with this word spirit that God is, is real and, and he takes really three parts. There was God the creator, Jesus the son in the flesh and then God the spirit. And they are all three God, this one, just like you and I could be a, a father, a son and a grandfather. We can hold three different positions all at once but be the same person, that's God. And just as the disciples walked physically, tangibly with Jesus and they could ask him questions and he would answer them. When Jesus died, rose from the dead, and he says, I'm going to send and send you the spirit, my spirit, me within you. And he is tangibly with us, just like he was with the creation, just like Jesus was with his disciples. And he says this in Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses or our inadequacies. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This is a big way to say that not only when I don't know what to ask, when I don't understand, I'm just like, God, literally, here's, here's one of my favorite prayers that is the most effective. God, help. I don't know what to do right now. I don't understand it. 
my wife is obviously mentally uh, in, incomprehensibly off and I have no idea how to relate to this woman. Help me. God, I'm, I'm being tempted. Do you not see this? Because I believe every one of us has some kind of besetting sin of our flesh to want to destroy ourselves. And I'm like, God, help me. Help me. God, I can resist anything except temptation. Help me in this situation. Do you not see this? I can tell you every time I pray that because I have accepted God. I have accepted his forgiveness. I have accepted his power. Literally, as he puts it in Romans 8, 10, and 11, I, I love this one. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of his righteousness, righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It's very simple. I don't understand at all. I can tell you this. If you're here this morning, it appears like most of you are. And, <laughs> but if you're one of those who are saying, I'm checking this out. I've got an experience. I don't know about the God thing or whatever. Let me put it very simply. I don't understand it all. I really don't. But I do understand this. I understand that if God became a man and that man was Jesus, and if Jesus was a man and God and he said he was God, and if he died for my sins and then he rose from the dead, I'm in. I I want that. And when he tells me that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, that's the power source for me to become not who I hope to be, want to be, but who I was meant to be. So that in every situation, I truly can become that, that great relationship. Am I perfect? No, not at all. I, I've got to ask a, a question. Do I talk at God about the Bible or am I talking with God about his truth? Which, which am I relating to God? Do I do for my family, my spouse, my friends, or do I do with them, which is it. It's a simple word. It's a simple choice. That's the word. Then there's a letter. Then there's a letter. One letter that makes all the difference in the world. And if I could put it this way, it's almost like tuning a radio. I'm either on one frequency or the other all the time. What I hear, I hear through one frequency or the other. What I project, I am projecting through one frequency or the other. And it's one letter different. It's just one letter different. Am I living my life for me or we? Which one am I living? How do I process and filter? Now, I used to think my father was an idiot. I think I shared this about a year ago. But I used to sit there and think my father was an idiot. My mom would say something very simple. We need to fix that trippy faucet. And my dad would stand there like a deer in headlights. And I'm thinking, say something, man. Now I know what he was doing. He was trying to figure out which we she was talking about. (laughs) When I got married, I saw this. My wife said, we need some new spring clothes. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I got plenty of shorts and t-shirts. It doesn't matter because that was a she, we, okay? She made the statement one time, walked through the living room. She goes, we need to cut the grass. 
I actually had the delusional thought, she's going to help. No, no. That was a me-we, okay? But I can tell you this, at least once a month, I am in my house and I have the exact same experience my father did. My wife came in the other day, we need groceries. And I'm standing there. My two teenage sons walk through, what's wrong with dad? I said, man, leave me alone. I don't know if it's a she-wee, a me-wee, or a wee-wee. Leave me alone. I'm trying to figure it out, man. Because there is this we, this idea of we. I've got to get to the point where I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What does this we mean? How do I get to we? And I find, I can tell you this, anytime I am frustrated, anytime there is conflict, anytime that we are just not clicking as a couple, Anytime that I am at work with those, the two ladies that work for me, and if I feel a tra- stress or a tension, it's because I am operating out of me versus we. I'm hearing, I'm communicating, it's about me, not we. And it's the same with God. Am I sitting here going, okay, God, what are you doing for me? I'm being obedient. I'm doing all I know to do. And if you were in the last hour, Doug did a beautiful job of, of giving us Joseph's mindset of going, okay, God. I'm, I'm, I'm in this with you I'm, and I know you are with me and, and that's where that tension spiritually happens and that's where the confusion happens but if we get on that page where I'm like okay God I'm not looking to accuse you I'm not talking at you about the Bible I want to talk with you about your truth and your word God will you show me will you guide me will you help me in this and that step to, to change the M to a W is very simply a simple word called humility. In Philippians 2, 3, and 4, it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, <coughs> excuse me, in lowliness of mind or humility, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Where's my humility? Am I looking at me or are we? Which one am I looking at? I want to give a very practical example because I thought for years, how does this work? And I, I noticed a lot of tension for my wife and I, and if you have kids, school starts or financial decisions make. In one month, this month, uh, we had a major car repair. Our AC went out, our refrigerator went out, our microwave went out, our oven went out all in one month. And it's just like, huh? can I tell you, it's the first time in my marriage I've ever had that kind of massive blah happen in one month that we were not at each other. And I can tell you the only reason is because of Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Let me explain. I've transitioned through some projects that had happened, and for the last five weeks, I've been home on Saturdays. Saturdays, we wake up. Whenever we wake up, there's no alarm clocks. And our kids are at that age now where our daughter, she can fix her own cereal. My boys, they sleep till four in the afternoon. And, and so we go to Dunkin' Donuts, and we sit with no pressure. And I'm like, how was your week? What was the best part? What was the most frustrating? What's going on? Let's look at the week coming ahead. 
What days do you need me to get Kennedy? What days are your long days? What are your toughest? Okay, I'm going to be on the road these two days. And we go through the week and then we sit. I'm like, you know what? what what's frustrating you right now? And, and how can I help with that? And what do we have that's coming up that we can plan for? And any other items? And we sit and she, her love language is coffee, okay? And that's her love language. So we're already there. But we sit and with no pressure and no time constraints, we spend maybe an hour. But it is all about we. It's all about we. And we get on the same page. And we lose the me and we get to the we and all of a sudden it is, huh. See, here's what I've discovered. And it's a great, I I didn't realize this until Paul brought this up, that it was a C.S. Lewis quote. Humility, I love this, is not thinking less of ourselves. It is thinking of ourselves less. Isn't that awesome? I wish I was that smart. But I can memorize. It's not me thinking less. Oh, I'm horrible. I'm terrible. It's not that at all. It's just thinking of myself less. It's moving from the me to the we. Which am I? My encouragement this morning is very simple. Take that one truth. I would encourage you to take Isaiah. Take Isaiah 41, 10. I've, I've asked God, God, I know you wrote this to the Israelites, your people and all that. I said, but can I have this verse? Can, can I believe that? That you really are with me? And that you really do long to teach me and help me and strengthen me. And I really sensed in that part of my spirit that's not my conscience, it's not unconscious, it's that real part of my heart that I only hear when I'm really quiet. God going, yeah, I'm with you. I am with you. And I would encourage you in this as well. If you are here today and you're just kind of checking God out, I hope that you hear about the real God from himself. That he says, hey, I'm not here to show you where you screwed up. I'm not here to heap a bunch of rules on you. I want to do life with you. I want to help you in those moments where you struggle, you don't have the answers, where you are frustrated. And I want to give you perspective when you need it, peace when you need it, wisdom when you need it. I want to be the battery that drives this. I want to show you, and I will, if you will let me. See, because it's a relationship, God wants to give that to us. If you have questions about starting that, it really is that simple that Jesus really was a real man and he took all our sins and he died for the punishment of that. And he really does, when invited, I love the way there's a verse in Revelation that says, I stand at the door and knock. When you open that door, I come in. And if you've never opened that door, I'd encourage you, open that door. It's not the magic of a words of a prayer. It's going, God, I know you're real. Come into my life. I, I accept that. I need your help. And he does and he will. And of those of us who are believers, I would encourage us in this way. Take that most frustrating part of life right now and ask two questions. Am I doing it for? Is that my problem? And I'm not allowing to do with? Or is it about me and not we? Which, Which is that? If we'll ask those questions, I promise God will show us. Will you pray with me as we wrap up? God, thank you so much for your truth. But Lord, thank you even more so for you. Thank you that you, you really did die to, to pay all our sins once for all, that we don't have to beg forgiveness. We just accept it. And Lord, once we do that, you long to empower us to become everything in every situation that you long for us to be, to experience peace and fulfillment and joy, even when circumstances don't say that. 
So Father, this morning, I pray that you would write on our hearts whatever change we need to make so that we can experience your fullness. And it is only through the gift of Jesus and the power that raised Christ from the dead that we get to pray. Amen.